Hello and welcome to a special end-of-year bonus episode of Spotlight On. I'm your host, Lawrence Purrier. Today, the spotlight is on the Austin Art House Film Festival and its founders, Giselle Marie Munoz and Liz Tabish. The third year of the Austin Art House Film Festival will be a streaming edition, like so much else in 2020. Featuring nearly 60 films from a diverse array of female and other underrepresented filmmaking voices, the festival will run from December 26th through the 31st. You can learn more, buy tickets, and get up to speed on the official selections at austinarthousefilmfestival.com. This festival holds a special place in my heart as a project I produced won Best Film there in 2018. It was a great treat to catch up with Liz and Giselle to talk about their venture, pandemic filmmaking, and so much more. I hope you enjoy. How's it going? It's going all right. Before we jump in, will you do me the courtesy of um, giving me the proper pronunciation of your name so I don't botch it? (laughs) Yes, uh, Giselle Marie Munoz. Okay, great. Because I was probably going to go with the hard G and uh, I'm glad I asked. <laughs> yeah. You know, open for interpretation. I, I'm not married to anything right now. So <laughs> <laughs> figuratively or literally. <laughs> Both. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Keeping the last name for just a hot second more. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So you're in New York or L.A.? Uh, actually, neither. Um, I am. Hi, Liz. Um, I am just south of Seattle. Um, okay. In a little town called Normandy Park. So I think. Look at me making assumptions. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I'm. Uh, but it's a fair one. I was in New York for um, the better part of 20 years. Um, was in New York when we filmed Unbound, um, and then moved out here. Um, geez, when was it now? late summer of 2016. So. Okay. I'm sure it's lovely where you are. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, some of the cliches are true about the rain and the gloom. Um, but you know, they're getting a foot of snow in New York over the next 24 hours. And, uh, I can, I can deal without that. (laughs) Yeah. You're from Seattle. Is that right? Uh, I'm I'm from the East coast originally, but I'm in Seattle now. I've been out here for a few years. I just got back from Portland. Oh, and wow. I'm enjoying the, the gloomy weather. <laughs> Did you fly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how was that? It was okay. Um, you know, everyone's wearing masks. It was a yeah. pretty full flight, um, but, you know, we have to get home at some point. <laughs> so, you know, I, um, I flew literally weekly. Um, I was on the road three or four days a week, um, I mean, I've been, that's been most of my adult life, but, but concentrated hardcore for the last couple of years. And, um, I haven't flown since March 5th and, um, I'm like, I'm generally not a fearful person and I'm kind of terrified to fly. Like, I don't know what it is. I I, I can't, I'm a little freaked out still. Um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, the first time I flew was in October to Utah, um, for a shoot. And, and that, that was the first time I flew and I, I was nervous for that. Um, 
but everyone's taking really good precautions. Every flight I've been on, they're like, they're, they're pretty safe. And I think like finding out that like the air's constantly being circulated. Um, That's what I've heard. Yeah. Like, that, as like even more so than anywhere else. It's supposed to yeah, be like the yeah, yeah. best. That's what I've started to hear over the last couple of weeks. And I, I talked to somebody who took a, a Southwest flight about a month ago and mm-hmm. it wasn't full and somebody sat down next to him and he was like, dude, really? Read the room. <laughs> yeah. 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 People don't know how to do that. Um, I was traveling for two years back and forth between New York city and Austin and on, on the plane twice, twice a month for a weekend. And didn't have that in my life anymore. I was um, doing a, a program with a, like a theater program out there and then was like, I, I'm not on a plane and it feels weird. And, but my last flight was at the very beginning of the pandemic to Miami for like a 30 hour trip and then back and was like in bed for a week, just like no energy and didn't realize like, Oh, maybe I could have had something. I don't know. But I'm learning in life that all of these things that we have done before and things that we're told are done in a certain way, like Liz, you were just on that flight in October. And then just recently, it's like, it ends up being like kind of all good, you know, like those thoughts that like get kind of in here. Yeah. It's actually, that's been one of the more interesting and amazing things about all of this is that, um, nothing has to be the way it was. And, uh, I, you know, I don't know how optimistic or excited to be about what long-term changes might come out of this. I, you know, especially now people are just so excited to get back to whatever their normal was. Um, but you know, and I say that from an extreme place of privilege whereby I, although it's been a difficult year, although there's been a lot of drama, a lot of angst, um, I still feel like a step removed from the real suffering. I feel like, oh, like suffering yeah. oh, yeah. adjacent, you know, the whole time. Totally. And so I have this luxury of feeling like, I, I don't know that I wanted all to go back the way it was. Something needs to change. I think that's obvious. Yeah. Like, I think we're all finding out like um, we really need to be taking care of each other. And that's something that I've noticed in the last few months of like seeing who is like willing to accept your new boundaries in terms of like letting people come over or going over to places um, who's wearing a mask. It's like, it's becoming clearer who's, who's taking care of each other. And I think that that should be the new normal of like, you think about others first and other people's health and safety first. And then, and then you get to go do dinner or something, you know, that should be the second or third priority. Um, I, that's the change I think that a lot of people have to make because when I hear people say, Oh, I can't wait to go back to normal. I'm like, that wasn't normal. Was normal. <laughs> that, that wasn't normal for a lot of people. And until we're all free, we're not free. You know? Yeah. So yeah. how can we help? What can we do? Yeah. yeah. Well, I want to, um, I want to learn a little bit more about each of you as individuals. Um, but I feel like where we're starting the conversation, um, is just a natural place to, um, to at least, um, seg into how much your professional lives have actually been impacted by the events of this year. And uh, I don't want to assume the impact is just limited to the pandemic because there's been so many other things going on in our world. Um, But could you talk to me initially about, um, you know, 
what does it mean to run a film festival in the midst of a global pandemic? And what did it mean to launch um, what I think was originally planned to be a print publication and now is pivoted to online only, at least for a period of time. Can you just talk about like the Austin art house business and what the pandemics meant for that? And either one of you, please, uh, I, I, I won't dictate the dynamic you guys have. <laughs> it's actually kind of been good, honestly. Like, I think um, early on, we we started doing the 48-hour film contests. And that was, um, I don't think we would have done that had we not, like, all been in lockdown. And so there was, like, some... I, I just knew that anytime I'm uh, in a low spot, making some sort of art always sort of pulls me out of it. And so um, the idea of like creating an opportunity for other people to do the same of like, here's some fun guidelines, do this. And then we give, you know, a cash prize. Um, we had a beautiful response from people and like, they really seemed to enjoy like having something different to do instead of worry all of the time. That was pretty early on in the, in the pandemic. I think it was like April. Um, yeah, that was the first one. And then we kept doing them because people seemed to like them. And it ended up just kind of snowballing into the art house challenge. And then, you know, when you have so much time on your hand and like I went on unemployment for a few months, so I was like, I'll be okay for a moment. And so I had this time to just like, design and we talked about different you know genres of or subgenres of art house cinema and explored all of those um you know films from from the past and we i think we really wanted to um involve people in in starting to create different types of cinema um so yeah and then you know we we decided to do this as a virtual event for the year three the official austin art house film festival um, and that has its own challenges, but I think it's, I, I think we're still keeping our community really lively and engaged. And so it sounds like, uh, from, so you, you did the first, uh, you did the first 48 hour, uh, contests pretty quickly into the pandemic. Like, did, was there a moment where, um, you know, was there any pity party or did you have to lick your wounds and say, you know, what are we going to do? Or was it just, okay, this is the new reality. How do we make the most of it? I'd love to hear sort of, I'm sort of a process nerd. Like what, what happened when the world started to shut down? Uh, I'll jump in. I, I feel like it started, we, we almost like created this extra space for ourselves because um, as soon as we had wrapped our year two of Austin Art House Film Festival, we like huddled together and were like, okay, what kind of changes are we going to make for the next year? And one of them was, let's push it, let's push the date back. So we gave ourselves extra time to figure out what the hell we were going to do, even though we didn't know, we really had to figure out what the hell we were going to do. So uh, originally our celebrations were in October and we decided to move it to Jan January because Austin is such a beaming, uh, <laughs> exciting, creative, um, entrepreneurial festival yeah. hub. So basically there's just so much going on all of the time, big events, small events, where people come from all around to, to celebrate. So first off, we needed, we were thinking January, just, you know, out, outside of the holidays, the year had come to an end, people are just like coming to their own and kind of like recovering from whatever year they had holidays, you know, lots of eating, 
eating <laughs> and such. So we're like, of course, people want to go to the cinema and, and chill out and get ready for their year by like vegging out on incredible, delicious film from filmmakers from all around the world. Uh, and, and often, you know, we, we have a lot of filmmakers here, so we, we like to make sure we have space for them as well. Um, and then right away we were like, okay, March, March came up and we're like, well, we don't know what we're going to do for our festival. We still didn't have a date, but I was like, Hmm, people are sitting at home. People don't have a lot to do right now. You know, we're all confused. We don't know what's going to happen. How about we give them some of our programming so that they can be cozy and comfortable at home and take their mind off of things. So that's the first thing that we did. And it was like the second week of March where we started, I reached out to all of our filmmakers, making sure that they were okay. If we could provide this service for free, you know, we want, we don't want people to, we wanted to provide something, you know, and to me, as we were beginning the, the festival a couple years ago, it was just an automatic thing of not only are we providing art for an audience, we're providing an audience for these artists. Mm -hmm. So it just made sense. And we did that. And I think it was a lot of fun. Um, and then right away, Liz was like, hey, I just did a 48 hour thing. And I had done something. I, I actually participated in one a couple years ago. She's like, let's just like do a challenge. And it was about bringing people together online, uh, coming together in their own. Like the rules were you have to be quarantined. You have to abide by the by the restrictions. And it, like Liz said, it was a way to distract people. But also, I think uh, once this hit that it was going to take a little bit of time, I think, I think it was either people could decide if it was time for radical rest, like this great pause where we all had to take time to just figure out what we've been doing. Are these the things I'm that out. we want to be doing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, are these important? Why are we making these choices? Why, why this? Why that? But then also just you don't have to rush. You don't have to get to work. You don't have to take the kids to school, like chill out, like breathe. Or now I can finally get this project done, right? right. Now I can finally write my book. Now I can take time with my music and, and everything. So um, for those that wanted to be creative, for those that needed to figure out something to do with their energy, we, we were happy to provide the 48 film challenge, 48 hour film challenge. So we did a, an April, we did a May and we, you know, the thing about Liz and I, and the fact that we're the only ones on this team is that we, we get to fluctuate with what we want to do and what we think we want to do. And there's a lot of flexibility there, which is great. So first we're like, okay, every month. And then we were like, uh, every other <laughs> <Yeah>. month, <laughs> every quarter. <laughs> so we did the second one, which was in, May? May. April, May. So I think we were excited and we had yeah. a, a good response that first time and we we're like, let's keep doing it. And it was the first time that we were able to provide cash prize for um, like what our favorites were, which were, was the jury prize. And then also like, how do we get more people involved? Let's create an audience award so that we can have a lot of people watching what these magnificent people are doing with their work. So we did, I think, another one in August. Um, in October. And, and then the October one, we had decided to make it something that um, people could spend a little more time on. So instead of the 48, which is the weekend, we extended it to a month so that oh, wow. people 
could fine tune what they've done. But before that month thing, um, Liz came to me with wanting to do a, a film journal. So that's where the Art House Quarterly was born from. Again, like, how do we use our energy? How do we, how do we celebrate stories and filmmakers from underrepresented communities? And how do we celebrate the emerging filmmakers that we got to, to get to know from our film festival? So it was a really cool catalyst to introduce people to what Art House Film is and to provide a platform for um, these new up and coming filmmakers. And then also like take a step back and look at the classics and, and some historical things. So our first, our inaugural issue was um, supporting the black community and sharing films and filmmakers and stories that we've seen in cinema. And that was also, a, a, I think it came out in June. We also wanted to donate to Black Lives Matter. And we were able to do that with submission money. So like we, we got creative. <laughs> we got really creative and wanted to, you know, it's this cool thing about celebrating other people's work is also. I feel like this year too, we've, we've been, um, we kind of have no choice but to be receptive and, and witness what's going on in the world. And I think we're constantly being affected and then that's, inspiring or influencing what we end up focusing on. So each, you know, quarterly journal, as well as um, the, the prompts for the, for the film contest are always sort of in reaction and response to what's going on in the world. And we try to keep, keep our uh, selections too, for the official selections, you know, current and, and um, uh, important for this time. Um, mm -hmm. I think you'll see that in the selections we, we ended up using for this year. Just so I don't make any assumptions, can you take me through what is the 48-hour challenge? Is it a film that has to be conceived, produced, and sort of a rough draft within 40? Is it like a hackathon type thing? Or, I, 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 Yeah, tell, take me through that. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, we, we post the prompts and the guidelines um, the afternoon of a Friday, and the guidelines are usually specific to a type of art house subgenre or style. Um, we did one that was surrealism, absurdism, new wave. Uh, we did mockumentaries. Um, and then like they have to, you know, have a certain bit of dialogue. Um, and uh, the, the October one was about the uncanny and, and what that means. So we explored that in the Art House Quarterly Journal of like, what is the uncanny in cinema? Um, and so, you know, we send, send it out through our newsletter, which you can sign up on our, on our um, website and um, just, you know, reached out to all of the previous filmmakers we've worked with. And um, they have pretty much, I mean, it's over 48 hours, but it's from Friday afternoon <laughs> through midnight on Sunday. Gotcha. You try to be generous as much as possible. <laughs> um, so they have to, yes, conceive, write, film, edit, everything everything um, and then send it in through Film Freeway to us by midnight of, of that Sunday night. And then we upload it, we share it on Vimeo, we have them share it with their friends and family. And then um, we do like a week of viewing of people uh, liking and voting on their favorite films. And then we share the winners that next week uh, of which one we think, you know, 
uh, is the, the best art house film overall, that jury award ends up being an official selection of the Austin Art House Film Festival. Oh, so we got wonderful. four really wonderful selections from the last four contests and now they're official selections. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah it sounds like you're using a, a, the 2020 definition of 48 hours. It's like there, any two day <laughs> period is basically a week in 2020. So yeah. Um, as, a, as a differentiator and as a, um, well, I guess, yeah, as a differentiator in a, in a world where there are so many local and regional festivals now and online and offline and just various takes on content curation, what's the significance of the word art house um, in what you do and, um, you know, and what your festival is? What does it, what does it mean to you? What does it mean to the film community? Um, and, and why is it a specific thing? Can I actually connect this to you? <laughs> Believe it or not. Um, I mean, that's, yes. that's my favorite topic. Yes, <laughs> yes. it worked. Please. So I, my, my undergrad was in film studies, film and TV studies. And I was really lucky that I could just like watch a bunch of really strange, unusual cinema. It was the types of cinema that I didn't know existed growing up, going to the movies. You, you have no idea. And you take a class on experimental film and you're like, what is this? Yeah. This is possible. I can imagine. Um, and then after I graduated, you know, moved to Austin and worked more in, in as an actor, I realized I was missing out on all of those rich, strange, unusual pieces of art that I was so spoiled with in college. And uh, it was sort of that way for a moment until uh, I saw the Unbound series on Instagram uh, that you did with David Bowie, the the. Uh, unbound miniseries that were like snippets of these truly amazing, like surreal short films that were in connection that, that used, you know, the songs from Black Star, David Bowie's last album. And I remember watching it on my phone and being like, what is this? They looked like dreams I had had. They were like so uncanny and strange. And I, it just, I remember it really sticking with me. Of course, David Bowie died like shortly after that. So it was a really memorable time. It like really anchored this memory in, in my mind. Um, and I almost just like couldn't get over it. <laughs> you know, there's certain pieces of cinema that, yeah. that you just like can't ever forget. And I thought this is so unusual that it's Making not even. Making me tear up. Me too, probably. Um, I thought it was really cool that it was just on Instagram too, because it was so accessible. And I thought this is, this is new to be able to watch like really high art cinema on my phone. Um, and so I, it, it, my, it stuck with me for a long time. And then I moved uh, back to Austin. I was in Portland then and I, I moved back to Austin, started working again in, in, as an actor in the commercial world, Giselle and I worked on a commercial together and we had been talking about wanting to see something new in Austin. There, there's a lot of really cool stuff here, really, um, you know, it's keep Austin weird. It's a weird, it's a weird city, but it's also, um, there's just so much going on. And I had a hard time finding the community and the, the type of cinema that I really had been longing to, to witness and watch. And so we had discussed um, how, you know, what happens when you aren't getting the thing that you want? Well, you have to make it, you have to like create the opportunity for it to exist. And so we, we decided together to, to try this out. And it was to start, 
um, an art house film festival to see what's out there. And we had no idea if there were like tons of art house filmmakers if, or if we were going to get like, you know, 40 submissions or something. Had no idea. We had no idea. Um, this is me. And, and when we had this conversation, I had just returned from my time in New York City and my family could see that I was like, okay, where are my people? Wh- who am I going to make? Who am I going to make stuff with? Because I haven't found them yet. And I have all of this energy. And so we started talking uh, on that shoot. And it was just pretty, it rolled from there. We opened up submissions. There were so many. We had no idea. There's so many incredible experimental avant-garde art filmmakers across the world. I remember asking too, because I, I got to do some studying like a film history and, and, and got to see a lot of experimental films as well. And was very much like, okay, I want to do those things. How do we do those things? And, and, um, but everything was, it was historical. Everything was from mm-hmm. back then. And I was like, I wonder, are people doing that now? Like, yeah. I'd, I want to celebrate it, but I wonder if anybody's making anything like this right now. And it's like, of course, every, yes, they everybody is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now we're living in that ourselves. But, well, uh, there's an interesting uh, theme or notion that you bring up, which is um, the idea of, you know, if, if you're not seeing the thing you want, um, sort of make it, create it. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that the filmmaking world... Um, I feel like that's 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 a that's that's not an uncommon notion in that, um, you know, you can't sit around waiting to get cast as the lead in the next big production, and you can't <laughs> um, you can't just get tapped to direct a film. Like I feel like the filmmaking community excels at first of all rallying around the idea of community mm-hmm. but then all the different specialists coming together and it might be a writer director saying i want to make this film and there's a dp and a lighting person and a audio person and they come together and they help make that film and then the audio person says oh you know i need a script supervisor for this project i'm involved like it just feels like it's a very fluid community of people who are all trying to make their own kind of build their own reel or make their own resume um their, the output is their is their demonstration. You know, it's like the the creative piece also becomes part of the the work they're out trying to present on their own behalf, and so it seems very in keeping with the ethos of that community. What how you arrive to to start this festival, and I say all that because there's just sort of an audacity to to starting a festival like this, or you know, in a city like Austin, which yes is fast growing is vibrant has a lot of art but it's not exactly like it's low traffic for things to do like you're you're competing with so many other whether it's the big brands of south by or you know um so much music like there's a there's a lot on the menu for people to choose to do um so it feels a little bit like it's a double-edged sword you're in a place where you have a, a receptive community to the arts but also a lot of competition for traffic um how do you cut through how how do you how do you you know how do you establish a new entity i will say that i think liz and i are uh really good at trusting ourselves um there are a lot of things that we like and um we i think for the sheer fact that i think we both 
feel like we have really good taste. <laughs> That's <laughs> that okay. people maybe not might not be looking at. <laughs> um, and then you know, I think they have really specific taste too. You know what I mean? That like is, I think that is a stronger. Yeah. Let's go with that. <laughs> a little more neutral, maybe. Uh, <laughs> we have really specific. I'm proud taste. of what I like. I'll tell you what you you can say specific. I can say good. Good. That way it's everybody's got the proper level of humility. And- <laughs> there we go. <laughs> that um, sort of, and, and yeah. Just, you know, perhaps opening the door for, for work that wouldn't be seen anywhere else. Yeah. Every film festival I had been to, I, you know, you see a, a block of shorts and five out of six of them are, pretty standard filmmaking styles. And then there's one kind of strange avant-garde or experimental piece. And I remember being like that, I want to see more of that, you know, but most film festivals don't focus on that. Mm -hmm. Or if they do, it's like, it's a, it's one block of shorts, experimental shorts. But even then, I don't even remember like seeing that many experimental stuff. So it, even though there is a lot of um, sort of, venues and and festivals for film i don't i i don't feel like there are that many or if there is any that are like specific to experimental cinema can you talk about the word experimental and what that what that means either if there is a formal definition in the film world or how you think of experimental um is it simply subject matter is it is it experimenting with the form like what, what, what do you have to see for it to be experimental? We've been seeing experimental like across the board. So some of our films that we selected are like the actual form is experimental, them painting on film stock and then playing that, or um, the performance is a little off or off putting. And to, to me, that's an experimental, you know, choice, um, experimental editing, uh, camera styles, coloring, uh, a lot of, um, quite a few of our selections are like on film to me in this day and age, like that is experimental because no one's using film um, or no one's being taught how to use film. So if they're doing it, then they're mm. experimenting. So we're pretty loose with the term. Um, and, you know, it, the, the term is constantly, or the, the, definition is constantly changing because everything that we get in is sort of redefining it. Um, there are a number of them where I'm like, I had no idea that this is even, that someone could conceive this, this concept and, and yet they do it and it's beautiful. And, you know, it's been it's it. almost <laughs> like a selfish thing to be like, I want to, this is me speaking of course for myself. Um, I want to start a film festival so that I can watch films all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. You know, yeah, yeah. and this year we received okay. over 450 oh. film submissions. And, you know, we're, we're busy gals, <laughs> but we, I think we enjoyed ourselves, um, you know, and, and to go back to your question about what it looks like for us, to have a film festival in this time. I mean, we work remotely and we're just in communication with each other when we have questions or checking in about something that we've provided, making sure it looks good before we send it out. The fact that we now have a 
a, a broader audience and we can create a bigger visibility for our artists that people don't just have to fly into Austin and to sit in a theater for an evening because our film festivals have always been intimate uh, and um, we knew we wanted them to grow from something. So it was a one night only event. It was a very special one night only and we were only doing shorts. Like how can we get the most work in here um, as, we, as we can? And now, you know, we've got mid-length. So between 15 minutes and 45 minutes, I believe. And then our features are 45 minutes and up. We have mo more people from around the world can tune in with us as we celebrate another year of remarkable filmmaking. And, and you know, our, our, our log line is spotlighting filmmakers from around the world who champion art, defy convention, and challenge audience expectations. And mm -hmm. so it, you know, let's have some conversations about what we just saw. What did we just see? <laughs> I like the way that made me feel, or that made me feel weird, or not weird, but in a different way that I'd never felt before. Like, I think it's just, I'm excited for people to experience and have different feelings all over their body about it. <laughs> <laughs> can, you, can you tell me about, um, you mentioned that, you know, it was in the past, a special one night only intimate event. Um, can you tell me how the, um, the structure and the format of the festival is going to be different this year? How many nights, what nights, what times, like, um, you know, both for sort of the promotional purpose, um, although sure. we'll link to all the important information from the episode notes, but more just, um, I'm, I'm just interested structurally, like how does a, how, how did your festival format evolve? Well, uh, instead of doing one night, <laughs> we're doing, um, almost a full week or is it a full week it's the 26th through the 31st and we're going to have the films available online through vimeo when you buy your ticket we'll send you a password protected link to it um and then yeah we've got 45 plus i think it's like 47 or 48 uh films for people to watch all lengths um and we're at 55 oh films Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've had to make some changes after our selection uh, process. You know, everybody has a lot going on in their lives. Oh, 55, um, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was, it was at 60. At that's right. It was at 60, you know, so right. being flexible, you know, that's a, that's a good skill. To so have. You round up 55 and you're at 60. Here we go. There you go. Um, but yeah, and then people can uh, vote for their favorites. We're doing the audience favorite award again for $500 and people can vote by liking on them. And then um, we have 18 awards for the filmmakers in these various categories. All the awards are uh, named after some of our favorite art house filmmakers. And this year, because we don't have to spend money on a venue, we're mm -hmm. giving cash prizes for the awards. Oh, amazing. Okay. That, yeah. that, that's right. So that's, so a, that's sort of a benefit of moving to this. Yeah, this absolutely. And is the event, is there a live stream component? Is it programmed or is it all the films are available on demand? Like what's, what's they'll the user be on, experience? They'll be on Vimeo. Um, so it won't be any live stream. We may be doing a live stream for the winner or the award uh, announcements. So that would be uh, the evening of uh, December 31st to ring in the new year. And then the winners will have um, a, a sort of winner's block still available for viewing January 1st through 3rd. So cool. people can see which films won. 
So when you say it's the 26th through the 31st, that means at X time, the virtual doors open on the 26th mm -hmm. and then everything's available until it ends at Y time on the 31st. Exactly. And, and in that time you can come in and, and sort yep. of a la carte, all you can eat, have as much fun, watch as much film. The buffet. The buffet yes. strange cinema. That's amazing. That's great. Um, Delicious. Oh, we also have, this is kind of fun. So we've been, we've been playing with uh, this way to engage our viewers um, with the uh, contest. But for this, we've got a quiz that you can take on our website, austinarthousefilmfestival.com. You can take the quiz uh, and see which films we think you would love, depending on your personality. So we have these recommendations. And so people will be able to go through the films and, and check those out based off of you know, if they like love stories or horror or surrealism, should be fun. So it's sort of a, a fun yeah. way to add a curatorial aspect to the mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That's really wonderful. Um, I have to I have to ask, I'm curious, um, what have you seen, if anything, in terms of like trends or repercussions on production from the pandemic? And specifically, like, are you seeing... Are you seeing sort of pandemic productions where people are recording via Zoom or they're recording separately in different locations with different cameras and then merging footage in post? Like what's what's happening there on, on the production front? I feel like we saw a lot of that during the film contests and the um, art house challenge. Um, and we do have some of our films in the programming I've seen so many films for so I feel many like a lot different of, things. <laughs> I feel like the contests were like, it was like a one person crew. It was the filmmaker who's also writing, acting, editing. So we saw that a lot in the contest, but I, I was, I was so worried that like we would stop getting submissions at a certain point because people would have stopped making films. But the last few months, like we continue to get, to get steady submissions. There were a few months where it was, it was pretty, um, you know, dry, but, but the last few months, I think things are sort of picking back up in the production mm -hmm. world. Yeah. People yeah. are getting tested and careful and there's, you know, COVID compliant um, production teams. So I think that's, that's promising. And I've, I, you know, there are, I've heard in, in, in Hollywood and some other spots, like people are starting to, to create again. So that's yeah. good news. Yeah. Is there, um, if it's not too soon to say, do you think that there is, um, are, will there be changes to the format of your festival going forward in subsequent years? Um, specifically, like, do you see a merging of online offline? Do you see the festival having sort of a, a virtual component forever? Like, do, you know, what do you, what are you going to take from the best of both worlds? Or is it, you can't wait to get back to having a physical world event? We missed the theater. I I been, that. <laughs> yeah, we've been eager to, I think, too, when we had decided to go virtual, it was like, let's go virtual and have a live event. Um, I know the venue that we choose every year, AFS Cinema, they were like, we had a date set with them. And they're like, we can't take your money yet because we don't know what we're doing. And I, and I think I think that's the truth for us, too, is like, we're not sure. We also there's a responsibility do. in inviting people to a public space. <laughs> and, you know, there's just, we wouldn't be able to fill the theater the way we would want. So I think we're just waiting to get back into a live theater uh, when it is properly safe. Um, 
And when that happens, I think we we may continue to do the 48 hour film festival or contests or the art house challenge. And all of that's done online for people to be able to watch it online. Um, so you're kind of moving to, a, if, it, if it's okay to say it this way, more of sort of a 12 month of the year model where you'll, oh, you'll yeah. have more touch points now throughout the year leading up mm-hmm. to the actual main event festival. That's really yeah, cool. Yeah. So. I, I will say, uh, you know, and a lot of people are doing that. A lot of people, there's a lot of programs, a lot of meetings and workshops. And I think for a little bit, I felt like, the internet is oversaturated with <laughs> with programs and things. So I, I'm excited to learn how to navigate that. You know, now people have so much to choose from to watch on their computer or their screens. And so the new, the new, the new um, figuring out is now, how do we make sure that they come to ours? <laughs> well, and I guess the, the other question and, and, and I, I hope that this will effectively allow us to talk a little bit more about each of you as individuals. Um, if, if art, if Austin art house becomes a more regular 12 month of the year endeavor, both the, the journal, the, the contest, all these other things, what does that mean for you in your creative profession as actors, filmmakers, you know, all the other endeavors you're involved with, I guess, if you could answer that question in the context of maybe telling me what your what your creative life is or what your creative professional life is, that would be great. You want to start? You want me to? <laughs> it, it's it's so hard what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> we're both we're both actors, and every month, every year, it's so different. So we it's really hard to plan. I mean, we were supposed to have festival in January, and then I find out I'm filming in January, and like, like, there's just no way to, there's no way to really plan. We just have to stay flexible with mm-hmm. each other and with our audience and our, our filmmakers, and and just keep everyone, you know, up to date on on the latest. But um, you know, I'm I'm an actor, and I I'm working on a series, and I don't know when. I'll be filming next year. I, I have the next two, like January, February, I know I'm filming. And then I might be filming, don't know when, you know, or I'm, it might wait until the next year. So I can't, I really can't like set anything ever in stone. But I do know that with this career as actors, we have a lot of downtime. We just don't know when that's going to be. <laughs> so right. I think it's just trying to figure out like, okay, I know... I'm pretty sure this month I'm free. I'll be able to work on the journal this month. So it's just, you know, it's, I think just letting everyone in our audience know that we are flexible, but we are constantly wanting to create opportunities and experiences for them. We'll find a way. Yeah. I don't, I don't think anybody is asking us uh, for more. I I feel like, I think, I think we've done well with keeping abundant with um, the uh, the different types of programming and, and opportunities we have to offer and just to go back to what Liz said about planning, I mean, you can plan for something, but something's going to pop up. And yeah. for me, I started working more in the theater world and I have this thing, I have this thing where if I have a show, I am booking on those days and <laughs> even Zoom. So I'm working on a set tomorrow, but I had already committed to doing the Zoom performance because that's what we do now. Uh, in the evening and I'm and it's just like you just got to say okay (laughs) I'm gonna do this and maybe 
maybe we push what we thought we were going to do just like a week. But I think the fact that we both know that our, our, our schedules are, uh, can be hectic and we just need to be flexible. I mean, I don't think we've even had to have a conversation about that because like, that's the world that we both come from. Yeah. Have you had to turn down work because you had obligations? Yeah. Yeah. No, because Mm. I got a pay Mm -hmm. rent. Yeah, <laughs> you no, know, it's like we have paid. priorities. This is, like, this is a passion project for yeah. us. The film, the film, and we can find so. time and other time. You know, we we do, we can find time for this in in ways that won't disrupt how how we make a living. Yeah, yeah. And do, are you both, um, if you don't mind me asking, do you make a living in the arts and in the creative fields, or do you have to hold down non art related work? I get you to know, act for um, a living dream. <laughs> Yeah, and I have a I have a, a gig that I do that um, my job is to be an actor. It's not an acting job, but I go in as an actor for um, this certain <laughs> audience. So yeah, I'm that's, that's how, <laughs> how I do it. Um, and then you know on the on the like fun days, it's like a commercial or uh, some theater stuff. So that's great. That's great. I mean, that's yeah. a that's a rare thing. I think. It, it is. And it's a hard thing. You know, it's something that like, y- you start doing it and you're like, y- you, you book a, a thing or two and you think, oh, this is easy. And there are just so many dry spells in this profession. And then, you know, eventually, like if you if you can find a regular gig or, you know, you just have to keep going, you have to keep, yeah. keep in it. Otherwise, yeah, it's I think it's easy to like try something else or maybe give up on, on that passion, but I'm a big proponent for following that, that dream. Absolutely. I mean, it's also going to be hard to do something you don't want to do. So choose your heart, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in the remaining time we have left, I, there's a couple of other things I want to ask you about, but uh, where are you each from and how did you end up in Austin? Yeah. Um, well, I was born and raised in Orange County, California, in a little town called Placentia, Placentia, not Placenta, but I also was connected to a Placenta before I came. <laughs> At um, some point. My first we, we, home. <laughs> we don't have to go back yeah. that far. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, but yeah, my, uh, I grew up in a family of artists. So my, my dad is an oil painter and my brothers are musicians and I came out dancing. That was, that's my background. I, I danced since I was three. I was competitive in middle school and high school. I danced with a company in college and, um, you know, college, I graduated and got pregnant and married my, this boy that I had known since middle school. Um, and we kind of just every now and then would meet up again. And then, um, we, he's an artist and we both knew that Orange County wasn't going to be where we ended up. And um, after having our daughter, we were like, let's go somewhere else. And Austin was the place that we heard so many great things about because of the artistic community and also because of the affordability. And I love to discover and explore and tell me we're going to go somewhere. I'm so happy to go. Like, I'm always ready to, like, keep going. So we moved to Austin, uh, like, the week before our daughter turned a year old. And we've been here for 13 years. 
um, I took some time out to go to New York City and study theater, uh, acting in theater and a little bit in film and um, came back and here I am. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. Wow. Yeah. It's a great story. How about you, Liz? I uh, I was raised in Oklahoma, small town, uh, Stillwater, and I and I stuck around there for a while because I was scared of driving on highways. So that's how small of a town it was. Um, I got my undergrad and my master's at Oklahoma State University, and that really just changed my world. Um, my undergrad was in film studies, and then I got my master's in theater and directing and because there wasn't much to do in Stillwater, I really explored the arts. And my brother's also a musician. And so we had a really lovely small community of artists um, where we would just, you know, support each other and and create things together. And it was, it was a really wonderful experience. Um, and then when I graduated, I, you know, I did some acting uh, in theater, but, uh, never thought I, I would make a living doing it or, or really pursue it. Um, but one of my professors was like, you should go to a bigger city and you should pursue this. And so um, I was too broke to go to LA or New York. And so it was between Chicago and Austin. I visited Chicago during the winter. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't handle it. And I was By the way, wonderful like, city with the rest of the I year. love it's Chicago wonderful so, city. so much. Yeah. 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 I that still like month. might just move there during the summer or something because I can't do the cold. Um, so I ended up, you know, coming to Austin and uh, got an agent pretty quickly and started booking commercial stuff and um, was just navigating that world. It was very new to me and um, I had some some good luck with it, but it was just, it was it was a little bit of a feast or famine. And I just, it was so unpredictable. And um, it took some time to like, you know, it, if you don't have a sort of like stable personal life, uh, it's really hard to have a very unstable career. And I found myself over the years in Austin, just really struggling with a sense of stability. Um, and so a lot of what I created was was a way to create that for myself. Um, and that was making my own films, writing my own characters, um, doing this film festival with Giselle of just like creating the things that I wanted in my life when I wasn't finding it elsewhere. And so um, so I kept doing that and, and got to a point where I was like, I don't even know if I want to be acting anymore. I was just kind of looking for the next thing. And then I, I booked a wonderful role on a, on a series and that sort of uh, changed a, a lot for me in, in terms of uh, how I spend time during my year. Um, and so it's I've been really lucky to be able to play a character that I really adore um, and have an, a, this other community of, of really like-minded actors um, to work with. And we're all talking about creating new projects. And so it's, it's opened up my world quite a bit. Um, even being quarantined in Austin, you know, you can still plan for things in the future. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out if I want to stay in Austin or if I want to travel a little bit or, you know, see, see what, where life takes me. I'm not quite sure yet, but I do love Austin. Austin has a huge part of my heart. Yeah, it's um, a great town. It is really yeah. a great town. Um, so before we go, um, two questions. One, is there anything about um, the upcoming festival that we didn't cover that is important that we make sure we cover. And two, as part of that, um, 
are there any of the selections that you can talk about or do you prefer to not talk about any of that in advance you know is there is there is there anything we could talk about about the content of the festival or would you prefer we just have people go check it out for themselves there's so many well, good I, things. <laughs> yeah yeah i'm excited our programming is um full of female filmmakers um over half of our programming is um as well as bipoc makers um so we're excited to shine the light on these incredible people telling incredible stories. Um, I think a lot of, I, I anticipate that our audience will be thrilled with what they're going to see because there's just so much diversity in the kind of storytelling and it's just really rich, beautiful and, and lots of really cool soundscapes too. Um, and I think, you know, we were going back and forth with dates and, you know, it's been a hell of a year. So why don't you kick back, <laughs> relax. Nobody knows enjoy. what to do that last week of December. <laughs> you know, watch some cool films. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, we also I, have, oh, sorry. No, no, please go ahead. We also have uh, information about all of the filmmakers, um, the summaries of their films, and then soon we'll have the Art House Quarterly uh, Q&As with the filmmakers. So if people are interested in, in the films that we're screening, they can check out our website and look at all the official selections, click on the thumbnail and you can read all about them. Um, and soon we'll have a teaser trailer, a promotional trailer of all of the films so people can have a better idea of what they're in store for. Well, we're going to, um, we're going to link to all the important information from the episode notes, but if one of you would like to say the website URL, that would be wonderful. It's austinarthousefilmfestival.com. Great. All right. Well, I can only imagine that between the holidays and planning an international film festival, um, you both are quite busy. Um, so thank you so much for making time to do this. Thank you for having us. This thank you. I feel like this is a special it. episode. It's a special episode. That's right. We are, we are on hiatus. Um, but um, yeah, our last episode of season three was a couple of weeks ago. Season four launches January 12th. I taped it yesterday. It was a live taping with an author. Um, so this is going to roll out as a special bonus episode on the 21st. Incredible. Incredible. For that. <laughs> yeah, it's a, this is the busiest hiatus the podcast has had, uh, but we're happy to do it. It's so great uh, to finally meet the two of you in a more formal way. Um, thank you for your support. And um, I'm excited to have this out there and thank you so much for the invite to the festival. I will definitely be checking out some films um, with my 15 year old son and yeah. Uh, yeah, we're looking forward to that. Thank you, Giselle Marie Munoz, Liz Tabish and the Austin art house film festival community. Thanks to aunt Taylor and the entire team at light. If you want to learn more about Light, visit us at lyte.com. As always, thank you for listening to Spotlight On. And spread the word. We're available from Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and pretty much anywhere else you can get a podcast. And please keep your feedback coming. Email me at lp at light.com. Thank you so much. Be safe. Enjoy the holidays and stay in touch. Music.